So now I'm going to introduce you. Drum roll, please. You guys, I have someone so special for you. This is going to be a little bit different for the show because, you know, we've been talking about um, aliens and spirits and all sorts of stuff. But what we haven't really talked about is just like everyday life and how metaphysics and the supernatural and the paranormal kind of creep into it. So today I brought you the best person I could possibly think of both in spirit and in inspiration is my friend Darren Knight. He is also known as a Turtle Creek foodie. And Darren, hi. Yes, wave. Hello. Tell everybody hello. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. When I was watching your videos on Instagram, I love your narration voice. I love your narration, actually. And as you mentioned in our conversation catching up, you used to work in the cosmetic field. I totally forgot about that because I only know you now as the Turtle Creek foodie, I know you was like the domestic, I don't know, how do you describe yourself? What's your approach to cooking? You know, I think my approach, to, well, first of all, thank you for all the compliments. That's so kind and sweet of you. And I, I really am, I have to say, hey, just before we get into it, I'm so excited to be here on your new podcast show. I think it's fabulous. And when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, this is such a, I, I have such a passion around this topic. So I'm so excited to be here. Um, but, uh, you know, I would describe Turtle Creek foodie. I love that you said the word domestic because I don't even think I never have ever thought of myself as domestic. You know, um, I started going down the whole domestic goddess type of thing and I was, I caught myself and I was like, no, let's get his take on it. Cause when I think of domestic, I think of the happy homemaker and all of this stuff, but you're right. You're just kind of the guy that floats on your own feather. So yeah. How would you describe yeah, Well, that? I think, I think, first of all, one thing that I really love and um, is I like to cook, first of all, as a single person. So a lot of these foodie chefs that are out here and right now I have so many different friends and we go live together and we really like, well, we have group texts and everything and we'll, we'll be talking. A lot of them are like stay at home moms. I did a live this morning at 630 this morning. They're, they're yeah, like, uh, time, but I know we did a live from 630 to 8 o'clock this morning. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, but the cooking mama, we were chatting. But, you know, she's had like kids. So I love her content because when she's cooking, she's making like a meal for everybody. And I have to like kind of I, I try to make meals that would be suitable for an entire family. But I also try to spin it in the idea that like I made this King Ranch chicken casserole the other night. And listen, it was heavy. You could anchor a boat with it. It was fabulous. <laughs> but like I, I had to put it in the freezer because I don't have like six kids to feed it to. So um, I find that my, I, f I feel like Turtle Creek Trudy really reaches a wide demographic in that regard that it's for everybody. I also am very passionate about no wasting food. So one thing you'll constantly hear me say when I'm cooking is if you don't have that ingredient, you can use this ingredient or just use what you have in your fridge. 
because I really do believe in no waste and doing our part to to limit food waste, which also plays into a bigger role of making sure that we're ending food poverty and doing our part to to make yeah. sure that we are taking care of those who can't afford a meal or don't have the luxury of throwing things out that are spoiled anyway. But yeah, that's quite, that, that's how I, when I, when you ask me, that's how I envision turtle grief. <laughs> You're right. No, that that's such a great point because I grew up in a family of five and I've always had a passion and a love for cooking. So I low-key feel like I'm living vicariously through you when I do it. I've always also wanted to start a YouTube channel and a podcast platform. And so for many years, I thought it would be makeup naturally, because that's what I've done for the last 20 years. But everything changed over the pandemic for me. And of course, you know, I've loved cooking. Cooking is also kind of like that same passion of mine. And so I also live vicariously through our mutual friend, Deandra Simmons, who just became a chef. And, uh, you know, I'm, I just, I'm so thrilled. A huge fan herself. She's a big, huge, yeah. I hope she's yeah. going to, I should try to bribe her into doing a show. I wonder if she would do it. You know, oh, she's totally, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to cover that in a second, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I have so much respect for that. And and I thought, well, maybe I'll do like a food platform. And I ultimately felt called to do metaphysics. And so that was my calling. And that's where I found myself. And I had actually tried to do like some makeup. But at the time, especially in the pandemic, <laughs> I couldn't do people's makeup because we were all on lockdown and there was, you know, COVID. Um, so there was a lot of other makeup artists popping up with videos and especially with women. I think at the time I was a little bit more yeah. reserved. I didn't want to do a video doing makeup on myself. I don't think I'm that pretty, nor do I think I have the face or the, uh, or the, um, the skin that loves makeup, you know? So I, I wasn't going to do it on myself and I couldn't really access models because of the lockdown. And so I was like, well, I guess I can't start a makeup channel. And then again, with the food stuff, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm cooking a lot, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like everything just shifted, but afterwards we all kind of blossomed and came out with our respective things, but you've been doing this now for about five years, right? Yeah. So 2018 is when Turtle Creek Foodie started. Um, yeah, no, you're so right. Like I, first of all, Rhea, I love where you landed here. Thank like you. I love this. This is you've great. Seen many, you've seen many iterations of me, including a couple of fun, fun, we don't remember nights. <laughs> I know. Listen, we had a great, a good, great time. Cool. You know, I, I will tell you, I love where you landed. I love this. It's a great look on you. Like, it's kind of fabulous. And I was like, when I saw it, I gagged. I was like, oh my God, I need, I need, like, I need to be a part of this. So I was so excited when you, when you were like, oh, you know, you should be a guest. I was like, you don't have to ask me twice. My, I will clear my schedule to be here because this is so fun. I love it. But no, I feel like you're absolutely right. Like the pandemic was so, I feel the pandemic of our generation, like it was a generational disruption that right. you only see like every 80 to 100 years. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're talking like 100 years before was World War One or World War you know Two in the 40s. And it's kind of something that we went through that I think we'll look back on and be like, oh my God, we went through that. You know what I mean? It was insane, but it's so crazy. It was like a twister. It came in and just blew everything around and people flew and landed in different directions that they never thought they would land. And that's where they land. And I, I it's kind of bizarre and crazy all at the same time, but um, I love it. I love it in a way, you know, you have to find the good in something that came out just, it's the silver lining, I suppose, of something that was so catastrophic, you know? Absolutely. And it's so freeing now because I recently just came out of the psychic closet and I posted 
this yeah. whole manifesto on Instagram because I, I felt like I was living a double life. I felt like I literally felt like I was back in the closet again. I've been having these, uh, I've been on a spiritual journey now for several years. And uh, I think part of being a makeup artist, and you were a makeup artist too, right? Yeah. So I started out as like a makeup artist and then um, I ended up moving up and a uh, company, well, with a couple of different brands and stuff. But yeah, I mean, the industry you, is like a lot, you know? It is. And did you ever get intuitive hits on the people you were doing makeup on? Because that's kind of how it started for me. Well, like, okay. So I love that you say that. I really believe that people that have this kind of very close, uh, when you're working closely with somebody, like, right, you know, and you're yeah. doing somebody's makeup is extremely intimate. And I've never, I have, I, I find myself to be extremely intuitive. I can read something very quickly and not have to like, I, I, and I wouldn't know as far as like saying I'm going to harness this and put a label on it that I am, you know, I would say that I'm very much an impasse. Like I can understand a dynamic very fast, yeah. which I think plays for a big role in some of the things that I've done or the success I've had in my life because I've been able to read something really quickly, gauge it, and then style step how I need to around it, which is something that is, you know, a lot of folks don't have that. And they're not able to gauge a situation or a dynamic. I think that I have worked on people or worked with people even like you almost know their intentions before they know their intentions. You know what I mean? Like I knew yeah. of somebody can't say their names and I don't even know if I should really talk about it, but it was one of those things I knew that they were not doing right. And I didn't know exactly what they were doing, but if somebody I worked with and they actually reported to me and I just remember I just remember thinking to myself, like, I know that this is going to end bad. But as when you're managing somebody, you can't really, you know, like, and yeah. this is a long time ago. So it wasn't like it was like last year, but I knew something was going on that was egregious. It wasn't allowed. And I knew I was like, when I find out about this, I'm going to have to fire this person. And, you know, it, it like, like things like that, like I've always been a good judge of character and understanding yeah. something. And, you know, ultimately I ended up firing their ass. <laughs> I think that goes to prove a point though, that like, I, I could see that a mile away. And when yeah. you smell bullshit and when you have that gut instinct, and I don't, I think every human is equipped with it. Now, whether yeah. or not we follow our gut instinct is another thing, but I really believe that we all have the innate ability to be intuitive. Some are better than others, but I do. You know, I that's exactly how I see it. And I share that I was very, I am very empathic. I'm very observant of my environment, of people's energies, body language shifts. And at first I just thought I was like a really paranoid individual and maybe even slightly traumatized. And then I realized that is a form of intuition. And it is, you know, I've kind of connected, you have different types, you know, there's different clairs, like clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient. And and you kind of feel them all in different processes of the body, different energy yeah. centers. And I would say that like, when you get that gut instinct about someone, it's in the gut. That's why they call it a gut feeling. You know, that, that that's yeah. like a sense of, you know, intuition. And I feel like a lot of people don't have access to that <clears throat> or access to the understanding of it. And that's kind of why I've gone the way that I've gone working with people. You know, I've, I've been in their space and I've, uh, sometimes I've gotten messages from dead uh, deceased loved ones, 
that have crossed over, I'll get a name and I'm like, who is Rosalind Sanchez? And you know, the girl in my chair is like, oh my God, that's my grandmother. But it's like, is your grandmother on the other side or she crossed over? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, whoa, uh, I think she's yeah. here. <laughs> I don't know why that name just popped into my head. Or, or like you said too, I've worked with people that have given me really bad vibes and, or when they're pathological liars and they're telling me a story that is maybe 50% true at best. I'm like, whoa, this is I can so that weird. Like a book, like, yeah. like a book. I can feel, I mean, yeah. I may not always just say, oh, you're a liar. No, but yeah. How do, we, how do we act? We're just like, oh, hmm, that's nice. I do. Hmm. Oftentimes I'm just like, wow, that's interesting. And then I move right along. I, I don't, I don't like to put that energy around me too much because it's too, uh, it's there, there is a, a connotation of negativity that underlies somebody who cannot be truthful. And listen, don't get me wrong. There are little white lies that we share all the time, just because we don't want to talk about this or that, or you don't want to tell the world that you had diarrhea or something. You know what I mean? Like you could, you want to, you know, that's everybody's business. You can say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I just wasn't feeling, you know, great or, or this or that. But like, like there is a major difference in somebody who is being deceitful and dishonest. Yeah. And versus somebody who's just kind of like, you know, flub, flubbing the details because they just didn't want to go into the rabbit hole or whatever, you yeah. know, like I get that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can, I can, I can smell that a mile away. I don't, I don't like to surround myself with it. I do think it's interesting. You mentioned something about um, people on the other side and having that ability. I don't have the ability to, look on the other side but i follow this woman on tiktok listen i will sit there like i'm such an old lady like i'll just sit there on friday and just watch it but i love her she goes i took a peek at so and so and i can't think of her name but i love it because she's constantly like peeking at these people and i love how that she's respectful and she's like i asked her if i could take a peek at what she's doing but you mentioned like crossing over and being on the other side. And she mm -hmm. talks about it like it's two different phases, which I thought was really interesting. So tell me about that, because you kind of mentioned you alluded to the, like there was two different phases of it. Or is there? There are so many different ways of receiving energy, which I think first off was kind of mind blowing for me because I, I sat in on I got a reading from somebody who would become my one of my psychic mentors uh, like a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And he was like, you're a psychic medium. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. And then I thought about it and I was like, no, yeah, I, ha I have been. Yes, I, have I am. Your <laughs> unusual things that have happened my whole life. And um, it's almost like spirit. And we'll, we'll say spirit is a collective whole, which is knocking at my door my whole life, trying to get my attention, trying to say, hi, we need you to turn this on so you can help other people. And I can become a medium who can connect with spirits that have crossed over. So the, to answer your question, sometimes I receive information psychically, which I would just say is like information floating in your energy field, in your aura. Sometimes an entity will come or a presence will come in. And that would be more of what I would attune to mediumship. And that's when it's like, okay, you have a spirit guide here, or you have an angel or something that's just popped up that has a message to give you, or it's your dead grand or it's your dead grandfather, or it's your, you know, it, it could be anybody. And so, yeah, there are transitions to my understanding from my experience is that when you first cross over, you kind of go into this life review 
phase where your soul reviews its life. It's kind of like what some people might call purgatory or something, only you're there for a purpose. You're there to review. Uh, sometimes when people have near-death experiences, they talk about seeing their life flash before their eyes. This could be a glimpse yeah. into that consciousness. It's doing the soul review. But you basically review what you did. I don't know that you're judged like Christianity would say you are, but you definitely have to reflect. And the interesting thing that I found is a lot of souls that cross over or that are on the other side, collectively, they kind of join this whole ether of like a soul consciousness, you know, all souls kind of floating together, could be heaven, could be paradise. It's just, you've passed the life review phase, you've moved over and you're there to guide and be of help to your soul family who's still living on this earth. Sometimes souls will stay there until all of their soul families live out their contracts and then they move on. It's very fascinating though, because I, I've had spirits come in that were just about to reincarnate. And so when they come in, they're a little distant or they're a little fuzzy or they're a little, it's, oh, wow. it's yeah. Or I've had people come in who are fuzzy and disconnected because they died a lot longer or longer ago than another entity coming in. So it's a way of showing me, this is how you can tell this person who I am and they can validate it. Uh, I'm giving you foggy, faded, distant, because maybe I was like the ex-wife of someone, but I really liked this girl that I'm now helping on the other side. It's really fascinating and it's so complex. Wow. But I will say the biggest thing I've learned is that once people cross over into the other side, they, it's like a veil has been lifted. So a lot of the negative traits they had as a human, if they've reflected and moved and evolved as a soul, they don't carry, you know, there's no ego, there's no brain to go with that yeah. soul consciousness. So sometimes I'll have people that come in and show me really wild, not so pleasant things, but it's a way for me to validate for that person. This guy represented abuse to you, or this guy represented an unsupportive environment for you. Maybe it was like a toxic father or something like that. But when they've right. crossed over, it's like, they see all of this, uh, they see all of the things that they did that they maybe weren't necessarily proud of. And so they come in with a loving energy and they'll have like a loving message. And this person will be like, my dad was a dick. He would never say that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's what he's saying is that he's showing Wait, me. Like, that's what he's saying. Yeah. He knows that he was like that. And he, he wants you to know, like, he's sorry yeah. trying to think. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it's, it's, wild. That's so interesting. I feel like that kind of puts a little framework around understanding behind, you know, what is, because I, I will say it's very fascinating to me. I, for the longest time, I say, you know, for the longest time, I wouldn't say that I didn't believe in God or I didn't believe, I felt like when you die, you die. Yeah. Um, probably over the last year and a half to two years, I have changed my position on that. And you know, I think some in the Christian church would be like, oh, that's blasphemy. I can't believe that you would do that. <laughs> like, listen, dissect your own salvation. I can't. I, you know, like, I'm going to do my own thing and you do you. And that's what we should do. Um, right there. <laughs> I feel like, uh, I, I feel like Ina Garten when she was, I don't know, she was on the 60 Minutes and she was like, you know, she's the barefoot contestant. She was like, the this is what I do. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do, but this is what I do. And that's how I like it. Like, I feel like that's the best liner, one liner phrase I've ever heard in my life. But, but no, I just feel like I didn't have a lot of belief in that. And I don't know what, 
shifted in me, but I do think that there is, I think there's something beyond us that we have no understanding for. I think that organized religion, and not, I'm not downplaying on anybody that is Christian faith or, you know, Islam or Buddhism or anything Jewish. I find that organized religion was one of the first ways for the global population to govern people prior to democracy government. And it was in the Middle Ages, you know, the Catholic Church, when it came up, the, even in the architecture, it points straight up. You know, you see these like gospel, (laughs) you know, cathedrals (laughs) pointing to heaven because if you didn't live right, you would, you know, you wouldn't make it, you know. And then they also found a way to, you know, everybody had to pay tithes and it was a form of tax to the church so that the church could become wealthy. And they found a way in the Renaissance period to make money off of artwork. So then you begin to see a lot of early European high Renaissance artwork. You see these devils reaching up at the skull and then God is like reaching down with their hand at St. Michael the Archangel and all of these things you see in like the artworks of that time period where people were buying in. That was the church's way of, you know, and, and long and short, it was like a, you know, a pamphlet that they would pass out instead of door knocking they were just freaking you out making you realize like if you don't live right you'll be consumed by these hellish demons you know? yeah. and i feel like that was the wrong way i feel like that is to me that is just all hogwash i can't get down with the get down around that i don't yeah. believe that there is anything like that in the afterlife i really believe that the afterlife is made up of like you said, I love how you said people are in review of what they did here. I feel like your soul is constantly on a learning cycle. And yeah. where you're at, you're learning. And from that point, wherever you go after here, you're just going to learn more. And you take what you learned and it carries. And it it goes from different things. I also think that time, the idea of time is, it's time is relevant. I think it's all over the place. I, I don't think, I think the idea of then versus now, there's no future or there's no past. It's all one. Um, and we're all in the same sort of field in a sense, uh, because, and I don't know that gets really deep, but the reason I believe that is because I just, I think your soul transcends current time. I don't think it has an idea of time. And after you leave here, there is a, a abs- absence of time. Time is something that we've created. Yeah. We based it on the how amount of times the earth circulates the sun but i believe after this i think in the spirit world i believe that is there is no such thing i think that it's absolutely uh, it's i would agree with you on that and there's something that you said that kind of resonated with me that i could reiterate that is that if you go to the ocean or a body of water and that water gets poured into a glass your body is the glass. The water inside your body is your spirit. So it, it is far greater. It's far, we're just a vessel. And that's even yeah. used in biblical terms. But, you know, to what you were talking about earlier as well, the certain religions throughout history didn't want people to read because that, that meant they were becoming educated. So that's why mass yeah. is such a big ritual. I don't know if you've been to a Catholic mass before, but oh, it's yeah. stand up, yeah. sit down, wine, this, that, repeat after the priest, you know, re- repeat after the leader and, and that the roots of that are because 
the public and the mass um, community were not really encouraged to learn how to read. So they yeah. were like, I'm the educated one who knows how to read. You're going to repeat after me because you don't know how to read. And that that is very fascinating. And it's all, not all, but a lot of it is fear tactic, fear mongering, oh, you know, and then of course, pandering to the whole thing. And even now that's happening with modern day gurus. I mean, I believe I come from the philosophy of like, be your own guru, do your own research, read your own literature, find out what calls to your soul. And like Ina Garden said, that's what's right. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And you go do whatever the hell you're going to do. That's exactly where we need to be, because even if I put myself in a position to educate other people. It's your divine right to say, that doesn't vibe with me. <laughs> no, I, I don't get it. And they can take themselves to a place where their soul will resonate and connect. But I think ultimately, like you said, we're all a part of something bigger. And this is a way of us experiencing and learning because, you know, it could be like a video game or like the Matrix for all we know. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, 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 no. I, I totally agree. I do think that there is, well, let me ask you this. Do you think that there's a hell after? Because I don't think there's a hell. I don't think that there's a lake of fire where people go. But I don't know. I could be wrong. What are your thoughts? I think we're one step above hell, dimensionally speaking. Um, and and this is not to any dimensional literature or like the 12 dimensions or anything like that. I mean, uh, metaphorically, I think that this is a really dense, rough place to exist on the third dimension here where we are. And... It is emotionally painful. It is physically painful. Uh, our spirits and our souls, when they transcend, don't experience that because they don't have physical bodies. They don't have, you know, what they experience is much different because as a soul, it's just a different vibration and a frequency. Whereas we are a physical body and we have a density, you know, we, we're a very dense thing. And, and I've read in a lot of literature that they believe for a soul to be born into this reality is one of the most painful things a soul could ever experience which is funny because everybody's so scared of death everybody's yeah. so scared to die and how to die and oh death is so scary and it's so painful but i don't think people realize that when you're born you're in this warm cozy womb and then suddenly you come out into this frigid air and somebody slapping yeah. your ass and you're crying and you're like oh my god and the lights burning your eyes and you can't see and you're just like help me because you've just gotten ripped out of that warm bed you know that's that and that's your first welcome I to mean, the world I mean that if somebody rips me out of bed and laps my ass I'm not gonna lie no I'm just I'm joking but no you're so right though you're so that's so true I mean my god like it's it, it is it is very very true uh, that's wild. I never thought about that. So a dimensional, you believe we're one dimension above hell. Yeah, so you so think that there is a, a I would layer. Say my, other, my other layer to hell would be that, and I've kind of discovered this in my journey. Um, I don't know if I'm right, because I feel like we're all experimenters and pioneers here uh, with the spiritual sure. world. But um, earthbound spirits, um, spirits that reject going into the light. So like, say you lived a horrible life and when you die, you've been indoctrinated to believe that you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. I think that your thought and your conscious energy creates wherever you're going to. So if I, you think you're undeserved, you see, when you show up and you see that light and you're like, oh shit, I'm going to go in there and do a life review and be judged. Fuck no, I'm just yeah. going to stay back here. Or 
I, you know, I'm not good enough. I, I must be going to hell. And then suddenly their consciousness ships into a dimension where they might get stuck. Um, I've encountered a lot of earthbound spirits here who turned away from the light when it was there for them. And you kind of, it's like a sci-fi movie a little bit, but you have to like usher them into the light, Carol Ann, you know, like go towards the light. And, and that's something that I've done. I've had, I have experience with, and it's a really profound thing when it happens, because then they'll pop up with somebody. I had an instance where I was working with someone who had, they had a loved one pass away in their house and they were thinking that they were being haunted. They weren't really sure. I investigated the house with the group of people that I was with, and I did find that presence was still there and we had to connect it. It wasn't about cleansing the house, which is what the client thought it was. It was about directing that energy to where it needed to go. And basically yeah. I, I had to have the whole dialogue of like, it's fine, go over there and call for your guides, you know, do what you need to do. Meet your family on the other side, like your helpers, whether you realize it or not, even if you're adopted or if you've come from the most tumultuous background ever, there, there's a spirit family guiding us every step of the way. They would not send us here without any help <laughs> from yeah. the other side. And so it's really fascinating that, yeah, I think that hell could be a way of spirits that are stuck on the earthly plane and the spiritual ghost kind of aspect. And they just haven't made it to the light or they're scared of the light and they don't think they're worthy of it. Again, I believe that when we cross over, we hit like a life review, we see all of the, and it's very interesting too, to go back to penance and atonement and the Catholic, the Catholic, use your words, Ray, the Catholic procedure of doing, oh God, what is it called? Confession. Oh, Confession. Yes. Yeah. It's. Something that I've learned in my spiritual journey is that I've had to really connect with the higher consciousness or God to reflect and ask for forgiveness and to accept my karma. Because if I did something shitty in my 20s or my 30s or like two weeks ago, that karmic debt will have to be paid at some point. And so it would be far less painful for me emotionally or spiritually in a life review if I was shown all these shitty, horrible things at my worst moments and I was completely detached from them. Rather, yeah. being mindful and going back and saying, man, I don't, I don't like how I conducted myself in this instance. Better, and, yeah. Yeah, you know, because I mean, I've, we're all human. We have those emotions. Some of us are better at controlling them than others. But, you know, to be able to accept it and hit it head on and then just say, okay, give me whatever to deal with now. Let's get it over with. Give, give it to me now. I don't want to face it in my life review, you know? And so that's kind right. of yeah. my approach to just dealing with my unhealthy uh, behaviors or things that come out of myself, you know? So I think it's all... Do you think, so that, so that, that brings up a really good point. So I feel like We're getting a deep. lot of times... Do I? <laughs> We're getting deep this morning. I know. No, no, no. I love it. I love this. So I feel like in a lot of ways, some of the things that happen, uh, like when it comes to the way I deal with certain things, like I believe that I don't necessarily believe in tit for tat, but if somebody wrongs me, I don't mind like being direct. Like I'll be direct to somebody and, and I can be a bitch in their face kind of thing. And I don't mind doing that. I'm very known for that. Like I'm a bubbly, nice, kind person. But yeah, you if are. you do something wrong, 
uh, or I see, and a lot of my close friends know this about me. I'm very much a, you made very bad mistakes. And unfortunately, some people don't align with this, but I think that you have to pay for your mistakes. Whether it's, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to like reach out and be a, you know, some vigilante or something. You're the judge and jury. Like, I don't mind being like, I know that this person is a bad person and you should be very careful, like, you know, behind their back work. I just like say it like it is kind of mentality. Yeah. It, I'm very yeah. much like that. And I believe in that. Although now I'm like wondering, maybe I shouldn't be so like, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe, um, I, I don't know. I do have a unique, like I will, I'm very much not a crowd follower. Jeremy, I was on last letters podcast with Jeremy yeah. Locke, which is funny because Jeremy Locke, actually popped into my live this morning when I was live with Cooking Mama earlier no way. this morning. Um, but I love him so much. And, I do too. Um, love his podcast too. I, oh, I adore his podcast, but he, I was so thankful to be a guest on his podcast. And he mentioned to me, he goes, oh, come on, you go out and do all these things. I said, Jeremy, no, like I'm very much a homebody. Like I don't, I am, uh, I think people get a lot of misperception that I'm, a very, I am a people person and I love being around wonderful people, but yeah. in my, the terms are, it has to be on my terms. Like I will never go to a bar. I'm not a big bar person. If I do go to a bar, it's got to be quiet enough where I can hear you and understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, going yeah. to a gay bar is not my thing. Or going to somewhere there's like boots and cats and boots and cats. I just, <laughs> I don't, I, that's not my jam. I would much rather have one around the dinner table and just have that quiet evening in. But I think that plays a lot in, into what you appreciate about other people. I believe I'm that way because I enjoy understanding the dynamic of people and feeding off of their energy in a way that's not preoccupied by bullshit yeah sorry for the word no, but i mean that's no. how i feel about it you know? i feel like that's kind of how i found my voice in this community um because i have been meeting other like minds where we're all about growth and growing and to what you were talking about earlier though i feel like there's no there's nothing wrong with being a mirror to someone's shitty behavior <laughs> in their energy like i'm a matching or just Putting up boundaries, saying, yeah. this is happening. I'm not going to let you. But also, I, I see you. As Nini would say, it was Nini, yeah. right? She was like, I see you. I um, do. Or, yeah, I or, do. And I, <laughs> I prefer, some people don't like to show their card. I like to show my card. If I know that you're shitty, I want you to know that I know you're shitty. And I, yeah. I have no problem being that kind of a person. So, I yes. And on the flip side, I think that the spiritual growth development has been, when I see that come out of myself, then I feel like part of me lost my power because yeah. I was so affected by it that I felt the need to react. And it's the reaction for me now that every time I react to stuff, I'm so aware of it now because I'm like, shit, I just gave my power away. I just reacted to that. And it drives me nuts now because my power is so valuable to me. It's my energy. It's my thought. It's my, and I'm like, where do I want to put that energy? Do I want to put it in like Zen and peace and happiness? Or do I want to put it to the petty bitch in 5C across the hallway who's like always being, you know, inconsiderate of everybody else. So I think there's a healthy way to go about it. But really, for do me, you think that reacting, bad. do you think like, this is the thing, this is the thing though, like, I, I love this conversation. Okay, so, but do you think that reacting is giving away power or is it exerting your power? Hmm. So I think that there, I think there is a, I think there's two different, I think it, 
I think it can go two different ways because yeah, you can give away your power and like when you, you react and you, you know, when you should have, maybe you reacted wrong, but when you react to a certain point and you, I feel, you know, I feel like some reactions are appropriate and yes. maybe you're and not giving away your power to the point where it's like. No, I, I absolutely think that is a tribute to wherever somebody is on their journey and their evolution. For me, uh, like I'm yeah. somebody who gets so triggered by mean people and rude yeah. people. And so when I have that visceral reaction, it's very personal and I've now let myself get heated over it. But I a hundred percent believe that there are people far involved than me that, that can react in a way that's just pure information and they're not heated about it. They're not losing their power. They're not, you know, it's just, I more speak for me that it's like, I have to be super yeah. mindful because I used to be very reactionary. I'm Latin. I grew up in a Latino household, you know, our way of communicating is like shouting over one another and talking over one another. We're very passionate people. I so... love that. I love that. That's, I, that's like, I love that. I need to marry a, I need to marry a Latin man. I've, I'm on a journey. I'm mm -hmm. seeing it right here on the Wulu podcast that I'm ready. Let's call it in. I'm ready. I'm taking <laughs> from Latin men only, please. Listen, just don't go feuding with this guy on Instagram with about his Bedia recipe because he just couldn't, couldn't take it. But I digressed. Um, speaking of recipes though, I've been dying to ask you this question. All right. Just, just envision it with me. Any celebrity or person famous or well-known who is now no longer with us on the earthly plane, who would that person be that you would have over for dinner and what would you make them? Oh, this is so good. This is a great question. Okay, so... I want a cocktail, too. Give me full Ina, Sandra Lee, all of it. I want it all. Because, uh, listen, I am. Because, listen, I think this is a great... This is a really good... And it can be dead or living or uh, not. Let's go with... Let's go with crossed over. Let's go with not of the living. Okay. Yeah. They're past. On. Okay. Uh, because I do have a guest list for both, but <laughs> I would say... Those who have already passed, I certainly think that I would need to have Judy Garland. Oh. Love Judy. I think she's a, a gay icon and for good reason. Yeah. I'd love to hear her thoughts, but I'd also like to have, so her at the table, I definitely would invite Joan and Hedda, or Joan Crawford and Hedda Hopper. Oh, I thought you meant Joan Rivers. I was like, I love Joan Rivers. <laughs> I mean, I would have Joan Rivers too. She can come. I'm I'm happy to have her. But I really would love to have Hedda Hopper. Absolutely, because I mean the gossip, the of tea. Hollywood, I know the tea her, that would yeah, be spilt at that, that table. That old bat has in her handbag it would be <laughs> extra hyping. So I would love to have Hedda Hopper. I think I would certainly love to invite. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, like, outside of Hollywood, really. I would love to have, uh, like, a former president. Like, you know, I mean. Like a Jimmy Carter? He's not dead. Is he dead? No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Oops. <laughs> or Ronald Reagan. I meant Ronald Reagan. No, or not Jim Ronnie. Bay. I don't think I want Ronald Reagan. Although, he would what probably babe? get along great with Peta and yeah. Judy. Because they, they all came up in the same era of the golden age of Hollywood. But I will say, I mean, I don't know, as far as males go, I definitely 
totally would love Frank Sinatra. I think that would be a lot of fun. But if I invited Frank, Frank would have to be, and I mean this with all the love in the world, I would need him to be honest about his dealings with the mob. Like, I would want him to tell all the tea. Like, look, you're gone. Let's just talk it out. Let's be real. We know. Like, we want to know. List the name. You know, mm-hmm. so I would want to know a little bit about that. Um, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if I could be living, I definitely would invite all those people. See, I'm all about inviting a diverse but compatible guest list. Like, I yeah. love that because I think we'd get along. But I definitely would invite. Well, I certainly well, would invite Alyssa would... Edwards. I love yeah. Alyssa Edwards. Oh, yeah. I her. She, yeah. But I know her personally. And I, I think that she she's fabulous. Like, I would invite yeah. her. I've worked um, with him before then, or him, her, they, I've worked with them before uh, on a, on a dance shoot catalog we used to do. He would direct all of the dancers and uh, he would come in as Justin, you know, but I was always waiting oh, I, for a yeah, tongue Justin, pop. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Justin. I, I haven't seen Justin in quite a while. It's been a while, but the times that I've hung out with Justin, I just always adored his energy. He, he, he is a class act. She is a class act. Alyssa Edwards is, is extraordinary, but. I would love that. Honestly, I, I'm thinking, and I feel like I have to fill up my guest list. You know, I can see 12 for dinner, Ray. Like, I mean, I feel <laughs> yeah. like I'm like looking at the table and I'm counting off really quick. The table's over here, but I'm like, yes. I need to figure out what, who would I have? Um, but yeah, I mean, God, I definitely, I would, oh my God. I would invite the queen, but only right, like 1952 version of Her Majesty. <laughs> I want to know what it's like, or maybe 1962. So give her 10 years as the queen yeah, and, and give us like, you know, what was it like being the queen when you had to meet with Jackie Kennedy, you know, like, That's and so cool. she had been talking shit about you behind your back kind of right. thing, you know, like that wench. Yeah. I know. <laughs> bitch. Anyway. I love this. I love this. So what would you cook then? What would be the, the oh, meal well, you prepared? God. If the queen were coming to my house you just raised the stakes bro i'm sorry <laughs> you were like oh my god listen everybody else i could have made like fried chicken and called it a day but the queen is coming like the queen is coming i feel like you know i answer the phone and i'm like uh-huh uh-huh the queen is coming kind of thing um but like i don't even know like god what would i make probably like beef wellington and or something you know that she would just yeah. like i don't know i don't know what she likes Maybe I would just yeah, I don't be, either. call it a cocktail event and <laughs> serve more drinks. I'm like, I'm we're sorry. Holding, we're just gonna have we're all wearing bustles and corsets. We can't, we can't eat, but we'll drink. I, know, be like, I don't think we're allowed to speak to one another. Her majesty is at the table. You know, like, when she stands up, everybody has to stand up. When she sits down, everybody has to sit down. When she's done eating, everybody gets their plate taken away. Like it's the whole rule of the royal yeah. protocol. Yeah. You know, like the office of protocol uh, at Buckingham Palace would probably be in touch prior and let Judy and <laughs> you know, Frank and everybody know, like, you know, these are the rules when you meet her majesty. Actually, they probably all met her majesty, the queen. Yeah. I'm sure they did. Yeah. Had to- That's so funny. I love that. That would be the odd. <laughs> you, know. you just, you just completely like, yeah, that dinner party is just, wow. I mean, Scary. it would be a fucking like, fabulous I'm suddenly intimidated. <laughs> it would, but it's like, oh my gosh. You know, and you see the way the royals celebrate. When they celebrate, they celebrate. You know, it goes on for days, literally. And it's funny because I have, I've been having quite a few guests over across the pond. 
um, on my podcast lately and some of those uh, episodes will start airing, but it's really funny how different their, um, their humor is. And like, anytime you mention the queen or anything, they're always like roll their eyes. It's like, oh, do they? Is yeah, that like, their, they don't like the queen? That's too. I funny. guess it's like the same with us and people. As I just, yeah, exactly. And you're like, I oh my not, god. I like, oh god. Yeah, I know. Yeah, listen, I get that. I get that. I think. I think the royals. I don't know. First of all, Harry and Meghan. I can't. I mean, sorry. I don't mean to like sidebar and go down. No, I don't care because I would love to know the ghosts that are creeping up in that palace. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I bet there's some crazy ghosts up in the air. Hey, I, bet, I, I, Harry and Meghan. I feel like that energy is toxic. Like I feel like they've got some hard toxic energy, and I don't really know. I find him to be like very. Um, I think he's very self-aware and he comes off like he's aloof. But I really believe that he knows what's going on. But, but I think that she is incredibly manipulative. Really? And knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah, I have this. I, I do. I think that there is. I know that's a weird stance and not everybody agrees. But I just feel like there's no, so I've seen, much. I've seen Twitter. I think a lot of people agree with you. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I don't I find I'm over here writing a cookbook about saving food waste and or you know uh, limiting food waste and and feeding people who are hungry yeah. and she's over here crying about being a princess locked in a palace like get the fuck out of here bitch like are you sorry pardon my French but I'm just like for real like are you seriously upset because you married a prince? And then like whenever they were filming that documentary and she was like, I didn't really know who he was. And I was like, do you live under a rock? Like, what do you mean you didn't know who he was? Of yeah. course you knew who he was. You're a liar. That's the bullshit that I was telling you about. Like, she's a liar. She is a yeah. liar far from good. And there's something very, very, very dark about her. I just, I'm not a big fan of her. And I think that, yeah, um, sad. I think everything that's playing out for them is is a direct result of who she is as a person. I really believe that. Isn't that but interesting? That could be wrong. You know, I feel like the same could go for Harry. You know, you've heard all the rumors that Harry isn't Charles's son, and you know, we don't know. They no. might know, um, but. I think that plays a lot into it as well about getting kind of shunned and kicked away, almost like the bastard child of the palace. And I, and I think that that's where she was able to like sink her clutches into him and really get him because now they're like two rebels together on their own. And yeah, and I, I that's the vibe I get from them. Um, it's very fascinating. Yeah. But I also, you know, I see so many people on Twitter or what is it called now? X. X yeah. I, I try not to go on there often. There's a lot of toxic um uh, just shit that I see on there. But I feel like every time I open my Twitter, there's somebody commenting or retweeting on a Meghan and Harry post. And I'm like, give me a break. And it's like the Kardashians. I don't care. I don't I care. Know. And my dad right I now, know. he just came in for a visit. My family came in and Meghan Markle has never been on my radar for anything. And yeah. he has started watching Suits, which is, I guess, a show she was in. And he was like obsessed with her. She's such a good actress. I just thought she was kind of a you know, not really an interesting person. And all he's all with this, the tabloid stuff. But every time, you know, that's what they would do when we weren't going off and sightseeing is he would want to sit here and watch suits. 
And I was like, I don't think she's that remarkable. Like I, you know, <laughs> she's like a sard bar, bar character. She, yeah, she's Megan, Megan, not remarkable. And I'm like, I don't get it, but okay. But people seem to be fascinated with her one way or the other. But I like your take on the energetic approach. I'm sure there's a yeah. lot of interesting people on TikTok doing like body language readings and like card readings and stuff on them. I personally would love to do that salacious stuff, but I have to pull back because I am doing professional readings for some people coming up. And so I'm just like, oh, I don't want, I don't want that to come back and haunt me. And yeah. just like this podcast could, you know, I could be talking about spirit and my thoughts on it this year. And then two or three years from now, who knows what could change? Um, yeah. But I think it's yeah. a good learning experience as we put, you understand, like as a content creator, we put stuff out there and we might look back at a recipe and cringe five years from now or, or you know, a, a podcast. And oh, I don't know. I think that's yeah. the beauty of growth, though. You know? Yeah. And it's the beauty, of... beauty of growth. I will say this. I have recently learned. Oh, God, Ray. I that's that resonates with me a lot. Like understanding like, oh, I did this or I've done that or I've put this out there. And I feel like in a lot of ways that I. I you come to terms recently, I feel like I've really hit this, especially with the book coming out and all of the things. But I you have to come to terms with being unapologetically yourself, regardless of what anybody thinks. Yeah. And, you know, and we do things that we're like, oh, God, I what was I thinking? Um, but it's part of it, especially especially when you put yourself in a public stage, you know, and people have the ability to consume what you're doing. I feel like people are just going to see what they're going to see. They're going to judge you however they want to judge you. And I find that, you know, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's very hard. I just have to be unapologetically me. And uh, I have a, a really close, well, I say a close friend, but he's kind of a mentor to me and he is a content creator as well. But what they, he was saying is just like, you know, you just can't give a shit about what anybody thinks. Like, you just have to continue doing what you're doing. And people will like it or people will not like it. Either way, they're both consuming it. So what does it matter, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. And that's why, that's why, like, I used to get really salty in, in my comment section when people would be ugly about a recipe or this or that. And I, I finally got nowhere now. It doesn't even phase me. I just th say thanks so much for commenting and liking the video or commenting on the video i really appreciate it and it just pisses them off even more but how you deal with trolls <laughs> what if you're it's your psychic dinner party your media it's the it's the dinner party from hell like an, on housewives of beverly hills remember with that psychic medium allison dubois which you know was kind of crazy <laughs> i just recently rewatched that episode i started going back and rewatching from the beginning and i i mean first of all like the taylor armstrong stuff how dark but Oh, that dinner party. I, I don't watch it. I don't watch it. It's so crazy. Like what happened? Wait, you wait. You've never seen the dinner party from hell episode with Camille Grammer, where she? Oh my god. Okay. All right. So we're gonna become that podcast for a moment, guys who are not into reality TV. I'm so sorry. Um, on season one of The Housewives of Beverly Hills, Camille Grammer happens to be good friends with Allison Dubois, which her and her husband Kelsey created the show called Medium and or, you know, in, in collaboration with her, it's based on Alison Dubois' life. And she is a psychic medium and she was also kind of helping police 
solve crimes and, and cases. Oh. Anyway, she, she invites her over to dinner and just, she, she gets shit faced, like hammered shit faced. <laughs> She's smoking on her e-cigarette before they were a thing. And, and in the house, she's just very free uh, in Camille's house. But she tells Kyle Richards that Mauricio will never emotionally fulfill her, ever. Um, takes sip from Isig, looks around like crazy Jack Nicholson. Um, it's hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. But could we, do we think that she was wrong? Right? Because... <laughs> I mean, I mean, anybody like, with an Instagram, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to let myself out to light a cigarette at this point, because I mean, girl, that is some deep rooted shit. That's crazy. It's, oh, my it's God. Deep. It's deep. Um, case in point, sometimes uh, actually I had a very I don't know that I can talk about that. I will probably edit it out. But um, I had a. An episode recently an episode meaning like an actual behavioral episode with someone. We all went to a little karaoke bar and we sang karaoke in North Hollywood. And I was pretty drunk. Like I was like at least five or six tequila shots in plus a cocktail. And yeah. I was with this guy who I was like, this is going to sound really weird, but I was like, you're single right now, right? You're kind of grieving a breakup. And he's like, yes. And I said, well, it's like, did that person pass away? said yes i was like she's here <laughs> i said it's very weird how she's coming in because she's coming in. i said so now i don't feel so off um i started saying that she committed suicide and she, her message to him was just like this overwhelming like it's okay to move on you did what you did you did what you could you're fine um but it was it was so odd to tell a stranger that i was just getting to know that day <laughs> And I was like, yeah, this is going to sound so weird. But then also I was like, I shouldn't be conducting myself like this, especially if I want to be professional and working with people. I can't just get drunk at parties and be like, oh my God, I'm glad I got the message out and I'm glad that I could help them with yeah. it. But it was, it was, it was that learning lesson for me that it was like, I've got to be more careful with this, especially now that it's more open that I sure can't be getting schnockered and giving out fateful messages. And get get creep. I know. Listen, you know, and it's what it is. We've all been there. I mean, sometimes. I mean, you like to show your talents. Sometimes I get drunk and want to show people my boobs. But I mean, <laughs> what you got to do, right? I mean, <laughs> but, but I will say, I will say, I will say this. I do think you were kind of talking about that. I don't know. I have serious uh, moments. There was something I was going to tell you about getting schnonkered and going there. I was. In a room, I don't know that this has anything to do with a spirit so much as I think it was, what do they call it? Like um, psychokinesis or telekinesis kind of energy. Mm -hmm. But I was in a room at my house when I lived at the Renzi. And listen, I, there's a, I have witnesses that can back, back this up. This is no, this is not made up. My friend and I, Actually, she used to report to me um, at, a, at a job and her and I love her. Rachel is her name. I can say her name because she she wouldn't care. I adore Rachel so very, very much. And Rachel's a, Rachel has a lot of, um, you know, she empathy. She's an empath. She understands different things. And 
her and I get each other very closely on that level. And one day we were like, we were, I think we were day drinking at my place. And you know how it is. Like you're like four cocktails in and you're like, oh, this is great. And we had gone to the farmer's market and put some like, or like I had gotten some plants for the balcony and we were just like giving like our mother earth side some attention, you know, and, and all of this stuff. And I, I always feel like Rachel and I are like in our past lives. We're like sister witches or something like there's something there there that's very connected we both know it i love it i don't know it's very it's very bizarre and so extraordinary and so nurturing to my soul when i'm around her like i invited her for lunch i invited her to no, lunch i love it and i cooked lunch for her because we didn't have any time she was in town for a business meeting and i said just stop by for lunch i'll make lunch and it was the most extraordinarily wonderful moment just to like sit in her presence and have lunch with her and just like absorb her energy because we just get each other on this weird weird level but we were sitting there and this is this is where i get in this kind of like i believe i don't know what happened but i we were sitting there and i we were talking about like harnessing energy and being able to like you know be an empath and I looked at her when we were like three sheets to the wind and I said, I love you, but there is also a very dark side to you that I don't have. And it's a darkness that I don't think you even realize that you have in a way. And I said, I, I believe that it can be very detrimental to you, but I also think that there is just something, there's something in you that can be dark. I don't know if it's a spirit that's latched onto you. I don't know if it's something that is in your soul. I don't know if it's just me being crazy. And at that very moment, every light, the entire power went out in the apartment. Everything. Wow. Went dark. And I was like, I was like, Rachel, I think that's girl. I was like, this is insane. This is crazy. And I was like, that's so weird. I was, I was like, I don't want to talk about this right now anymore because it didn't frighten me, but I was like, I felt like we were edging into a, a level. I, I, I guess I say this to say this. I think that when you drink, you release certain inhibitions about yourself that allow you to come out with things that you wouldn't normally say to somebody. I would have never said that to her just to say that to her, I would, uh, you know, but we were drunk and I said that and I don't know what happened, but I really believe the power went off for about 30 seconds and then it came back on. I mean, yeah. there was no storm outside. There wasn't anything going on. It was just bizarre. I was like, how do you explain that? I mean, we can't explain it. It could have been, you know, I mean, the real question, hard. Darren, is did you do it psionically? Or psychokinetically, or did you have a premonition that you were like, honey, you have a dark side, but really you were just seeing that the lights went out and you couldn't see her. She was in shadow because all the power went out and you were having a premonition. What is it, Darren? What is it? <laughs> I'm like, you have a really dark side and then everything goes dark. I'm like, <laughs> all, I really think, I will say this. I think that she shit her pants. <laughs> I think I kind of did a little bit too and I was like oh my god this is insane like I was a little 
uh, I mean, it, it 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 made my heart stop and flutter a little bit. I was like, oh my god! Because I don't know, I Darren. Really did had... you shut? Did you shut my <laughs> camera off and then shut your sound off earlier? I mean, we've had. Although I've had instances of doing interviews where I've had a can of hairspray fly off my bathroom counter in the other room, or something fall in the kitchen, or something like that. When always happens when I'm around an interview before an interview or during an interview with the podcast, which is very interesting. At first yeah. I was like, maybe somebody's bringing something into it. And then I was like, maybe it's my nervous energy finding a way out in the room, you know? It might be, I don't know, but I just think it's so bizarre. Like I just remember when that happened and we had just, we had been talking about, you know, everything and nothing and talking about our spirits and like all of this energy. We were very, She's very big into energy and I love that. And I love hearing about it because I'm not really great at harnessing all of that side of me because there's also, you know, I like, I love, I love to learn about it. I just don't know where my mind goes with it, you know, but I love that she, you know, when, when I said that, I was like, I don't know, Rachel, I just feel like there's a very, very dark side. And to this day, we giggle and laugh about it, but I swear to God, the lights went out. (laughs) every light in the house everything was off and i was like and it it, it, like it went off and then it came back on and i was like and she like and she was like i in fact i I feel like maybe she was like well i better get going you know like (laughs) look at the time and (laughs) i know Um, she's like i'm gonna have to head out because yeah you know and i think that also you know very much you have to be careful with at least in spiritual practice with because sometimes you do serenor, drinking wine or drinking to connect with spirits or ancestors or whatever. And, but there is a sense of, I, I agree that when it lowers your inhibitions, you kind of, your conscious mind, your ego steps aside a little bit and you're a little bit more free. And I feel like that's why people can be a little bit more open. I've heard that people will drink to numb themselves from that side. But for me, it does have the opposite effect. You know, yeah. it kind of yeah. makes me more more open to information versus I wouldn't have been like that, you know, a couple of years ago because sure. I don't know, I just wasn't as aware or tapped in or in tune to the whole thing. But I like that. I I definitely see... I see you embracing more of this and I see you moving. Like I said, you know, I see manifestation and like magician and generator vibes all around you. So I think that the modern form of magic and witchcraft now in buzzwords is like manifesting. But before that, it was praying. You know, whenever you are putting the power of your voice, the power of your mind and your intent together, that is like a powerful trio. It's like the, what is it? The trifecta or the, the mirepoix, so to speak, when you're cooking, right. it's like the, the celery, the carrot, the onion. It's like the Trinity. I feel like the it's mirepoix. the same. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, the it's holy like, Trinity. Yeah. It's the holy Trinity, baby. It's like, if you put your mind to your word, to your heart, the power of that is insane. And I feel like that is now, you know, all of the new buzzwords and the new age stuff is all manifestation and abundance yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But this stuff has been around for years. So I definitely see that in you. I see that ability to just really put your heart to something and your intent into something and it's gold. It's going to happen, whatever it is. So I'm excited. I love that. So, I think that's so, I think that holds water so much. What are your thoughts on manifestation? I really think, especially the older you get, the more you realize, like people use the word manifest so much and it, I yeah. mean, it's almost kind of like, okay, you're manifesting this and you're manifesting that. Yeah. I 
I don't know that I necessarily intend to manifest certain things. But what I will tell you is that in many cases, and I don't know if a lot of people have this, I don't know if it, it would be relatable to ambition or whatever that is, but there's something in me. And I feel like if I want to do it, you know, when I started Turtle Creek Foodie, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. I made a decision that I'd never, I never, I didn't want to work. And, you know, I came from the cosmetic industry and I had moved kind of high up in a regional position and I was just like tired. I was so over it and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I ended up quitting my job and I wanted two things. I wanted a hobby and I wanted to adopt a dog. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I did. I did exactly that. And the hobby, when you pour yourself into it, I never, people say, oh, I would have never dreamed, but I feel like I wanted everything that I am getting. And it takes time for things to pay off. But I really do believe in the idea of manifesting. Like I want to do, I, I remember, for example, about five years ago, after I started Turtle Creek Foodie, I had somebody take a picture of me and I was holding a plate of stuffed mushrooms. And I remember posting that and I was like, would you all buy a book if this were the cover? And it was me like holding some stuffed mushrooms and, and, and it cracked me up. Because I thought, oh, that will never happen. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And one way or another, I didn't really know how it was going to happen. I didn't know what the journey was going to look like. It's not like I could foresee the future or anything. But innately inside of me, I think that you know, and I don't think it just stops with me. I think a lot of us have that intuition, if you will, whatever you say, you know, what what you were saying kind of that, that idea that we, you can make what you want happen. If, yeah, you know, if you're really, really interested in doing it. And I think it's just an innate ability. I don't think, you know, it, there's no recipe for it. There's no whatever. I, I mean, guess. are are we not all the chefs of our own life? Nobody right. wants to be a sous chef to their own recipe, you know, to their own menu. Come on now, people take accountability for yourself. Take it from Turtle Creek Foodie right here. Oh my God, I got chills. If there's a bigger profound message here, it's that we have the ability and the power to create. Honestly, in my journey through spiritualism, I keep finding this whole like, God put this divine, sacred power inside of you to create, you know? And and I think one of my big pet peeves with religion is like the passive Christians or the the, the passive prayer person or the passive, you know, it's like, you can't be passive. You know, God did not put you on here to lay on a bed in your bedroom eating Cheetos and wish and pray for bigger, greater things. No, he put you out here to do them if you have the physical capacity and the mental capacity to do it. And so, yeah, I mean, I I agree with that 100%. You know, even going back to what you were talking about, um, yourself holding a platter and you're like, is this the cover of my book? And something spoke to me on that. I remember taking a few classes in Los Angeles a few years ago in the very neighborhood I live in. And I'd stayed at an Airbnb down the street. And when I was going to these classes every day, I was doing like uh, prosthetic and like, you know, prosthetic and special effects makeup courses. And when I was coming out here, driving to the studio every day, I was having this deja vu of like, I've lived here before. And I've, I mean, I've, I've been in parts of California, but I'd never lived in the Valley or in North Hollywood before. And so when I was just driving. I'm like, I've been here every sunset, every sunrise, every drop, like all of it was just screaming to me. 
And then literally not even a year later, I ended up moving to the very neighborhood that I was in. And I was like, was I having a future memory? Like was future, you know, was time linear? Was I experiencing what I'm experiencing now in a separate consciousness, you know? Like, I don't know that I manifested it more as my soul recognized it's going to happen. My yeah. soul, like with you seeing, you know, that holding that platter, your soul might have recognized, oh, yeah, I am going to be doing a cookbook. And you at the time would be like, huh, what do you mean? But it caught up. I believe that it, I, I believe that happens. I don't think that I think that it absolutely is a real situation. I really do. I think that I've had deja vu. I have I've had tons of deja vu. I thought for the longest time that everybody just has deja vu, like a sensation that I was here before something else has happened. I get yeah. it with people, I get places. Um, and I thought it was just something that just everybody happens, it happens to everybody. But I do think that there is something to that. And Ray, I, I can tell you this. I believe when you go like where you live, where we habitate or where we where we make our home, I think that that has something to do with who we are as people. Like it it, it helps it helps us evolve when you live certain places. Like yeah. I lived in St. Louis for many years, and still to this day, I have very drawn. I know people are like St. Louis, God, but I'm very drawn. It's very very old. Like. The Soulard neighborhood is like the French Quarter of New Orleans. It's old really? brick streets, the 1700s. Yeah, because St. Louis was a major shipping city on the Mississippi, and it runs right to the French Quarter in New Orleans. So you, Whoa, okay. you the um the history there is extremely old and French. It's old, um, you know, St. Louis or or St. Louis. So is a, a you know yeah. obviously French king, uh, but th- for the name sake of the city but um it was very much like i just felt so like drawn to it and i if you would have asked me before i was moved to dallas if i would have ever left no i would not have ever left i didn't want to leave i would live there now i i there's something to say about do you see it yourself going back there do you see yourself uh, going back to i don't know i don't know I don't know if I see myself going back there. I definitely see myself living not here <laughs> some, at some point. And I, I really want to live somewhere. I love autumn and fall. And that's what I love. I miss about St. Louis. I miss that whole fall and autumn. And yeah. I would, but I'm really drawn New England and some of that area. I would love to live up in, in that area. But I don't know. I don't know where I want to live. But I believe that. I know that when I lived there, it was just, it felt so right you know what i mean it felt so home like this is where yeah. i'm supposed to be yeah uh, and it really took a minute for me to fit into dallas because i did not feel that with dallas and yeah. i've been here now almost as long as i was in st louis uh spring so anyway but yeah. it's dallas weird has such a transient feels- energy yeah dallas has such a transient energy and i i kind of relate with you I, i'm craving like this nice sleepy town fall autumn vibe and i've thought about yeah you know, the Pacific Northwest going to Washington or Oregon or something, but I don't really know. I'm still waiting for my soul to find that because my soul is craving it. And, and I like it out here in California. And actually it was odd that when I wrapped 1923, the show I was working on um, this past year, I wrapped in January, it was raining heavily constantly in California 
from January until like May and June, it was just gloomy all the time. We never saw the sun. Oh my God. Was just... I was out there in May and it was like May, yeah. gray, June, bloom. It's I know. And I kind of loved it's it. Warm. But then I was like, wait, it's like, but yeah. it's warm and muggy. <laughs> I just want, like, if I'm going to be doing this, I want cozy and I want I suits. Cool, and I... crisp. Let me get my scarf out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. When you find that place, you let me know. And Zach and I will move out there too, because I'm like, I don't know. We're, we both kind of crave that vibe. And uh, I love, I love California for the progression, uh, progressive people out here. I don't feel like I have to hide who I am in any sense. You know, like I can be woo woo and I can be gay and I can be whatever the hell I want to be out here because everybody is so free out here to do that. Yeah. Um, but it would be nice you know, to carry that mentality. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a lot of crackheads up there though. No offense, Washington. <laughs> I love Seattle, but I would totally live out in the country. I like I, yeah. it, once I leave the city because I live in downtown and I I told Phyllis, my dog, this I would we talk. And so I was yeah. like, I need her, I want to get her a yard, you know, like I need her to have a yard. But I've said that I'm like, once I leave here, I'm going to the country like I want to have I want to be in the country. But part of my soul needs to be near my family. Like, I know. If you would have asked me this last year, I would have said, you're crazy. That's uh, you like, I would never say I would do this, but my soul needs to be near my mom right now. And your, I love your family. Aunts? Missouri. They're in Missouri. Missouri. They're, they're in South Missouri, but I just need to, she came to visit me and I love her. And I just feel like she's in a place where, you know, like I just need to be near her. And, and I think that you have to listen to those little voices. There's time to do other things, but. I don't know what transpired. I can't just pick up and move, but I do think that there is something to that. Like you have to listen to your inner voice or make time and do more or whatever it is. But I have this idea that you could, I could move back or something like that and just be near family. I, I like, I long for that. Like my soul wants that, you know? Yeah. I love that. I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much, Darren. So you've got a new cookbook out, right? So it's my new cookbook. It's called Spoiled. And I'm so excited. My publisher is found. Uh, they're based in the UK. Um, but they are, it, it's an extraordinary book. It's about, um, it is called Spoiled. And the namesake comes I from, you know. I already love where this so is going, yeah. Yeah, like it's talking about using ingredients that are in your fridge before they spoil, right? And then doing our part to end food waste and also being more consciously aware of uh folks that you know ending food poverty really and food insecurity it's really something that's super passionate or i'm super passionate about i really believe in in um limiting the amount of food that we just throw away and americans in general just throw away uh yeah. it, it blows my mind and and i i came from a very middle class family where a lot of times my mom was just using what she had in the fridge yeah. and you is know, this, like sometimes now when you, you say that food being thrown away, is this supermarket or is this out of our own refrigerators? Just out of our own refrigerators. Like, I don't know about you, Ray, but like I buy things uh, and I has, I've had to really like, this is what really set me into this direction to want to do the book, but I'll buy stuff and I'll be like, oh my God, that went bad before I could get to it. Or I bought it with the yeah. ambition that I would do this and I never used yeah. it. And yeah, uh, I want people to be more conscious of that. Like, you know, let's, let's do our part to not waste uh, food and, you know, do your due diligence to find a recipe that you could use something in, you know, whether it be, you know, old orange peels or, you know, something that you could totally... <laughs> 
make a you could make a liqueur out of you know or something you know what I mean Ooh. so I just, like we have we have an we have an opportunity to do our part and be more aware that you know the people don't have the opportunity to just waste food and that is something else that just yeah you know I always have my my it's always a you know a week long battle with my cilantro that's always like Meh, and like brown and like sagging and you know. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get glimpsed into the future every time I look at my cilantro. (laughs) I I love making cilantro (laughs) butter. Like I'll go, I'll like grab some heavy cream, make yourself some cilantro butter. I love that. Like uh, also um, I use uh, any kind of fruit or herbs I will throw into like a butter or I'll make, you know, I I use it in all sorts of stuff. I had some bananas that were like literally on their way out the door and I use, them to make a banana pineapple blueberry muffin the other day and i think that it was so good it was so we good must have, but I, we I'm must sure have been on the same wavelength sorry to interrupt you we must because <laughs> i saw that post and i started laughing and i showed my partner because my bananas were like literally out you know out the door and he had been nagging me all week and i kept saying well i'm going to make pancakes with them on the weekend or i'm going to make muffins and they were like starting to stink a little bit. And he was like, I'm throwing these away. And I was like, no, I'm going to make muffins right now. And so I went in and I squeezed them out of their, their little husks and got some blueberries and, you know, just kind of threw it in together. And he's not huge on on fruits and uh, for whatever reason. And so I threw in some nuts and all, all of this stuff and baked them up and he actually enjoyed them. And I saw your post and I was like, we were on the same page. <laughs> Listen, I love that stuff. Like that is like that makes me I love doing stuff like that. So that's what the book is about. It's basically uh, it's called Spoiled, an anthology uh, of what what, an anthology or a cooking anthology by the Turtle Creek foodie. So it comes out October 1st and you can get it. um, I'll have the link. You can get it link in my bio um, and also on my website. And so I'm super excited. We can find you on Instagram and TikTok, correct? What are your handles? Yeah, it's turtlecreep.foodie across the board. So Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Um, well, Facebook is the Turtle Creek Foodie. There, there's not a handle there, but it's the Turtle Creek Foodie. Um, but yeah, yes, and I can that I can really link fun. all of that in our in our comment boxes and description boxes. But Darren, thank you so much. And if a ghost ever does come into contact with your kitchen or you or anything like that, you got to come back and share it with us. Until next time, we family. 